Father, this morning we come to you. We just once again thank you for the gift of your son. The gift that made us sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you, thank you, Father. We come as a family once again to the father of our faith. The shepherd of our souls. And we pray, Lord, you speak to us. You speak to us. Christ is born in most of us, not all of us. But teach us, feed us, that Christ may grow and take his rightful position, Lord, in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The first Christmas day, Adam and Eve had a big fight. I'm wondering how did Adam and Eve fight on Christmas Day, right? <laughs> because he was born before the foundations of the world was laid. But they had a big fight. It was over a simple statement. Adam told Eve, Eve, what did they fight for? Think for a minute. They fought over the day. He just woke her up and said, today is Christmas Eve. She said, no, it is not. He said, it is. She said, it is not. He asked, and what day is it? She said, today is Christmas Day. He said, that's what I said. She said, no, you said today is Christmas Eve. He said, that's not what I meant. What I meant, Eve, today is Christmas Day. Okay? So Christmas is here. And... uh, I didn't inspect your homes, but I guess some homes would have had trees. Some would have had stars. Some would have had lights. And probably many of you would have got gifts. Gifts, gifts, and more gifts. Christmas, like now, is associated with gifts. But the greatest gift was the first and the original gift. That's God's only son. It still remains the center of the gospel. John 3.16. John 3.16 is that verse that holds the whole Bible together. For God so, so loved the world. We all use this from the time our children start speaking onwards. They will come and tell us, I love you so much. Different people mean different things with this word. So, God also used that word. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Like I said, this is still the verse that will hold the entire Bible together. Everything God has done and will do, it's because he loves us. Every gift costs the giver something. Some more, some less. But this gift costs God everything. The very life of his son. So we shall once again thank God for his gift. The value of a gift 
is known by two things. By one who gives to what it cost the giver. It is God who gave the gift. Second, it God, cost God the life of his only son to give this gift. Soon Christmas will be over. We will rip the colorful, usually green or red wrappings off. Children especially. There is excitement. There is disappointment. Because all through the season, those who have, us who have been parents know the children will make very veiled suggestions as Christmas approaches. I would like I would like. There was this lady who wanted a pretty dress. So she came up with this brilliant idea and put a sticker on her fridge hoping that her husband would note it. Something that will make me look cool and beautiful for Christmas. When Christmas Day came, she got an exercise bike with her name on it. Because husbands presume that on Christmas Day, they are the Magi, the wise men. <laughs> they know what their wives need. So soon, the season will be over. And the gifts are forgotten. And life goes on as usual. God's gift is different. Like everything connected with our God, His gift is living. He didn't give us a thing. He gave us a person. He gave us his only begotten son. Christmas, if it's an occasion, will be forgotten. The gifts we gave each other will be forgotten. The wrappings will go into the garbage bin or will be kept away for the next season. But God's gift is a living gift. The question is, do we believe in God's gift? That's the key. Scripture says here, whoever believes in that gift. God gave us a gift 2,000 years ago. Whoever believes in him, in his gift. He says, whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. What a gift. Even this one verse, people don't think seriously. Think about the hours we have meditated on buying or receiving a gift. Hours children have spent playing with a toy which was a gift. But we spent very little time focusing on this incredible gift of God. Where scripture says, Anyone who believes in this gift of God, his son, if you believe, you will have everlasting life. Can anyone give us a gift like that other than God? There is no gift like this. There never ever will be another like this. This is the first announcement of Christmas. The first announcement of Christmas is in Matthew 1. And verse 21. She will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Every man from Adam onwards, once they sinned, 
was destined to die and die eternally. Because the wages of sin is death. And God's gift was this. First Christmas announcement. She will bring forth a son and you shall call him Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. You getting the picture? Like I said, when Christmas comes, come nears, children give hints of what they expect for Christmas. And for 4,000 years, God was hinting to humanity what to expect when the real Christmas came. Children make, have their hints. Tommy will want a red cycle. Sarah will want a doll that closes its eyes. That's when my daughter said when she was small, now you have talking dolls and all kind of crazy stuff. But those days the big thing was that it closes. Teenagers, of course, hope for the latest phone or gadget. Mothers, probably a new gadget in the kitchen. And fathers, of course, being wise men, are hoping we'll have the gift of ATMs that work. Like I said, when gifts are open, people are disappointed. Some are excited according to your expectations. According to your expectations. God sends his son to save his people from their sins. You getting the picture? Why people are excited or disappointed with Jesus? Depends upon our expectations. Every gift must be received. Just because you took the gift, unwrapped it, does not mean you actually received it. God did not give us what we wanted. God gave us what we needed. People want something. God alone knows what we need. So on Christmas day, God gave us his son with his promise. Anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. But people were not happy. That was not what they wanted. So John 1 and verse 11 said, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. God gave the gift. But that is not what they wanted. Like Tommy wants a red cycle. In city gets a book. And Tommy doesn't like reading. But the father knows what he needs is to learn to read. So he gave him a book. So he puts the book away because he got a gift. He took it. He unwrapped it. He opened it, it looks outwardly that he received it. But he did not actually receive it because he didn't believe in what was given. So he put it away. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Because they did not want somebody who would save them from their sins. 
they wanted somebody who would save them in their sins yes they wanted a savior but not somebody who would save them from their sins they wanted a savior who would save them from their disease they wanted a savior who would save them from tyranny they wanted a savior who would save them from poverty they wanted a savior who would save them from hunger they wanted a savior that would save them from the consequences of sin but not sin why because there is pleasure in sin so you know their greatest excitement if you look at the peak of jesus ministry the greatest excitement by the crowds who followed him was when he fed that huge multitude with just five loaves and two fish that was the high point they were so excited probably some of them had never eaten like that ever before probably the way you may eat today afternoon and freely never so much and freely they ate and they ate until they were full scripture records in john chapter 6 and verse 11 they ate and jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down likewise of the fish as much as they wanted even that one happened here today first we look at the crowd then we look at the amount and then a quiet instruction will go reduce the serving not here not here give them as much as they want just five loaves two fish give them it just multiplied 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 so much they couldn't eat anymore verse 12 and 13 says so when they were filled when they were filled he said pick up the fragments so that nothing is lost and they gathered them they were 12 basketful of leftovers boy were they excited who wouldn't want a savior like this right no work only pay usually government says no work no pay this is no work only pay eat 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 what is the next verse to say then those men when they had seen the sign that jesus did they said This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. This is the savior we want. This is the kind of savior we want who can feed us and feed us freely. Therefore when Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Wow. Now what? Jabardasti they wanted to crown him. Have you ever heard about a crowning like that? By force they said, you know what? This is the king we want. Jesus walked away. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. He was no politician. He came to save the world from there. He didn't come for votes. He didn't come to become a political leader. Political leader has to give on freebies to win the next election. everybody all the students in up got a laptop yesterday right elections are coming next month next year two months from now three months from now it is election 
people want kings who will give them freebies why did trump win let's make america great again of course we want you to win i'll bring all the jobs back that's what we want Romba man speaks to our flesh god doesn't speak to the flesh he speaks to the spirit he says my words are life and spirit he walked away he did not come to deal with the symptoms he came to deal with the disease he walked away but they followed him we can see their eagerness their joy their enthusiasm we will think that they were ready to receive the gift of god's son but jesus asked them a question he he points the issue right over there in the next verses in 26 yeah jesus answered them and said most assuredly says let me tell you assuredly I say to you you seek me not because you saw the signs you did not see the sign behind what happened you only saw the bread because you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate of the loaves and are filled why are you following me not because you are excited about what i can really do with you you are excited because you ate don't labor for food which perishes but for food which endures to everlasting life which the son of man will give you because god the father has set his seal on them on him understood what should we do then they asked what shall we do that we may work the works of god jesus said what you have to do first this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he sent What is the first thing Jesus says? He said, what should we do? We have to believe. God sent, gave us, God so loved the world, he gave us only begotten son. And what are we supposed to do with him first? Believe in him. Everything else is after that. If we don't believe in him, it doesn't matter how much of the bread we have eaten food for the belly belly for the food both will be destroyed that's what he said if you don't believe in him even if we received every miracle from his own hands because we didn't believe in him it will not help us we have to receive the gift we have to believe in the gift of god and as he we are not going going to get in there because we know it very well as he started teaching them what it means to believe in god's only son they started getting offended they started getting upset and they started leaving they started living you see tommy had dreamt about the red cycle all through december he had seen young boys cycling past his house 
He had seen on TV young fellows on raking cycles doing flips and all that. Then Christmas came. And he saw early morning. My red cycle is there. Excited, he took it outside, got on it and fell down. Got on it again and fell down. Got on it again and fell down. This time he scraped his knee and he bumped his head. He went inside and he declared, I don't believe in cycles anymore. All these guys on cycles are not real. And all these TV programs are fake. Is it true? No. We have to receive the gift. How do we receive that gift? Because it's not a thing. It is a person. Fifty days after Jesus rose from the dead, a large crowd, a huge mammoth crowd had gathered in Jerusalem because it was one of those mandatory feasts for which all men, Jewish men, had to gather in Jerusalem. In that crowd, a smaller group was ready to receive the gift of God's only son. So when Peter, under the anointing, finished preaching, they asked this question in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what must we do? They were ready. They were ready to receive. But they knew this cannot be received in any other way. You have to tell us, how do we receive this gift of God? What should we do? How do we receive the gift of God's only begotten son? Peter answered. He said, simple. He said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. Two things. He said, repent and be baptized. When you repent, you will receive remission for your sins. When you get baptized, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two things we are asked to do to receive and two things we receive when we do what we are asked to do. We will receive remission for our sins and we receive the gift of God's own spirit, the spirit of his son itself. That is the Christmas promise. Matthew 1.21, first Christmas promise. If you believe, he will save his people from their sins. Second promise, if you believe, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall bear a child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. What does Jesus mean? He, Savior, he saves. You will receive what? Remission for your sins. And after that, his other name, Emmanuel. You receive the Holy Spirit, God with you forever. The twofold promise of God for Christmas. What should we do? He says, repent and be baptized. Yeshua will save you from your sins. And he will come and dwell in you and keep on saving you from all your sins. Repent. Meaning, turn around. And keep turning around. 
to be baptized and stay baptized. Why? Because it's a person. It's a person. Imagine for a minute, our young couple here was getting married in a couple of weeks time. Roshan and Tabitha comes to me and they said, Pastor, we want to get married. I want to receive him into my life. I want to receive her into my life. What should I do? I say, no problem. Get a ring. Get a wedding gown. Throw a big party. Is that the answer? I ask Roshan, do you know the first law of marriage? I didn't even know marriage had laws. I thought after marriage you only get in-laws. I didn't know there were laws. He says, do you know the first law of marriage? So the first law of marriage given by God in Genesis 2 and verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Are you willing? Are you willing? Roshan, are you willing? Are you willing in your heart to leave everybody else and cleave to this one person? Keep on cleaving to the one person until your identities are merged and you become one. Are you willing? That's the first law of marriage. If you are not willing to accept the first law of your marriage, you can be married, you can remain married, but you will never be really married. Because you didn't believe in the law of marriage. Tabitha, do you believe in the law of marriage? Yes, pastor, I believe because it is written, only man has to live. I don't have to live. <laughs> Psalm 45, verse 10 and 11. Listen, O daughter. Tabitha, daughter, listen. Consider, incline your ear, forget your own people and also your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. This is told to the woman. This is told to everyone who wants to receive the gift of God's son. Incline your ear. Forget your people. Forget your father's house. Then, then, the king will greatly desire your beauty. What is that beauty? Not of your looks. The beauty of a consecrated person who says, I want you more than anything else. He sees that. Because he is your Lord. Worship him. Remember Rebecca? After days and weeks and months of journey, then finally she is nearing and she sees a man far away. She asks Eliezer, who is that man? Elias says, that is your Lord Isaac. And the scripture records, she gets down from the camel and covers her face, meaning, you are my Lord. I accept your Lordship over my life. When we truly, truly receive the gift of God, there is a law of salvation. Repent. What does it mean? Turning your back to everything else and turning and seeing one pair of eyes, one face and face alone for the rest of your life. 
Not that other faces are not there. In comparison to this, these all fade. To get baptized, meaning deep inside you have decided, I have died to every other relationship in comparison to this. Once we truly receive then the gift of God that way, the spirit of Christ comes to live in us. Comes to live in us. When we receive this gift of God that way, the spirit of God comes to live within us. And you know what scripture says? The beauty of what happens to him or her who receives the gift of God in John chapter 1. And verse 12, scripture says, As many as received him. The gift of this person, Jesus Christ. As many as received him. To them, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Oof. Who is the father of Jesus? God himself. As many as who received him, God gave them. It didn't matter how many numbers. Everyone who received him, God gave them the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. That's Christmas. That's the Christmas gift. That's what Tommy didn't understand. Imagine Tommy goes to his father and says, I don't believe in cycles anymore. Father would take him outside and say, Tommy, if you ever want to cycle, learn to master this instrument. You have to forget walking. If you try to cycle the way you walk, you will never cycle. It's the same legs, it's the same body, but that is not the way it is done. You have to learn. You have to choose. You cannot walk on your cycle. Nor can you cycle when you walk. You have to choose. Everyone when they receive the Son of God has to choose. You cannot walk by sight. You can only walk by faith. You cannot do both. The minute you choose to walk by sight, it will fall off your cycle. But it is a process. The father would show him, Tommy, do you see this cut? That's when I first fell down. Years back. Do you see this? This is when I fell off the second time. Do you see this? This is when I fell off the third time. And by the way, I have all those cuts. But I never quit. Tommy's father will tell him. You see, Tommy, every time I fell off the cycle, the cycle never failed me. I failed the cycle. From that day, as a teenager in the 1980s, two months before Christmas, I received the gift of God's Son. He has never failed me. He hasn't failed you either. We have failed him. That's why he comes to live with us. 
so that he can keep on teaching us how to walk with God and how to walk as God walks. Yet, from day one, once he comes to live in, when he really comes in, you realize it is not the same anymore. It is not the same anymore. It is not. My first Christmas, 33, 34 years ago, as a teenager, October gets saved. Two months later, it is Christmas. I'm in a hostel in one of the largest colleges in Tivandrum. Massive campus. Inter all the way to PG and PSD. Over 3,000 students. College is closed for 10 days. We have over 500 students in the hostels. That Christmas, my parents saved from an unbelieving Catholic background. First Christmas. As a believer. Parents 3,000 miles away. Relatives all around. I was the only one in the entire hostel. Everybody had gone home and I didn't go. Because you knew you couldn't go back to what you were saved from. You couldn't go back. You were saved from something. You knew you couldn't go back to that. When he comes in, He starts changing things. That's the problem with Jesus. You call him as a guest, he becomes the host. He invite him as a guest, he takes over the house. That's Isaac. He understands, okay? That's why he's called Emmanuel. God with us. When he comes in, things starts changing. Bethlehem did not want to receive the gift of God's only son. When the young couple came there, Bethlehem declared, no room. No room for him. They didn't probably like the package in which he came. Poor couple. Poor couple. Pregnant lady, her husband, weary, poor couple. And they said, no room. Don't, don't quickly judge Bethlehem. Imagine you are not Christians. Okay, now we are Christians and we have more compassion and all that. But imagine, Christ didn't come and we don't know Christ or anything. And you are in your house, big house. And then at the gate there is a knock and you see the mestri and his wife standing there and saying, can you, we stay in your place? Mestri? That's all. One look at that. It looks like a carpenter. No, 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 no space for you here. God picks up unusual packages to deliver his gift. It's I don't believe it was not that there was no room. I believe if the package had been different, they would have made room. Bethlehem had no room. Jerusalem had no room. Herod had no room. The priests had no room. The scribes had no room. All of Jerusalem was troubled when they got the news. Who is this child 
that troubles the world. Yet scripture says, to as many as who received him, he gave him the power to become the children of God. The poor shepherds alone. You know, God is so strange. We don't, that's what I said, we don't understand his ways. Only to the poor shepherds, God announced the news to nobody else. Why? The Talmud says, shepherds, ignoble, their testimony should not be even received in a court. They are not to be allowed in. Egyptian says, shepherds are an abomination. And God says, go tell them, my son is born. From that day till today, God announces the birth of his son still through mouths of shepherds. People don't like that package. But he says, that's the only way I will announce. Those who receive it have the power to become the children of God. The Magi, the wise men, made this incredible hard journey, difficult journey when they saw the light and understood its meaning. So it didn't matter whether it was poor shepherds or wise men. Those who understand the message and received God's message, he gave them the power. We don't understand this much, especially children here. Let me explain to you with illustrations so children understand. Psalm 127 verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward or a gift. So children are a gift. Right? Children are a gift. And so many young parents here, including the latest, sitting here, but his mind is at home. Once a baby is conceived, every couple knows, everything changes. Nobody likes the change, but everybody has to accept the change. When the baby comes, the baby takes over the home. Now the home is run according to the baby's schedule. I just was reading last night of a couple in Alberta, Canada who had quadruplets, four babies, identical, all girls. And they have this statistics, they need 48 diapers a day. And there's a picture. Their whole house is spread with baby things. And there are these four little angels sleeping. And they are sleeping, they are angels. Only when sleeping, okay? Do you understand what happens when a baby comes into your life? Do you understand what happens when Christ is born into your life? We heard the offertory song, Be Born in Me. But if he's really born in you, do you know what happens? Because this is no ordinary baby. No ordinary baby. Everybody gets sentimental about Jesus and we like singing Christmas songs. But the wise men immediately, once they saw the light and had understanding, they knew what it meant. In Matthew 2, verse 2 and 3, where is he who has been born? The king of the Jews, we have come 
to worship him. Think about a scenario. A king went to battle and he died. When he died, his wife was pregnant with their first child. The prime minister is now ruling on his behalf. The baby, you know, is born. Everybody knows what is the baby born for. He's born to rule. Prime minister is there. Courtiers are there. Subjects are there. Everybody is going about doing their business as usual, but every business that is taking place as usual is in his name. On his behalf. Because they know this baby has been born to take the throne. The Magi understood. This baby is born to be king. Is worthy of worship. Is born to be king. More than that is worthy of worship. He's so much worthy of worship. They said we have trekked hundreds of miles just to see him and worship him. The minute they saw the light, everything changed in their life. Everything else became secondary. The minute the light of the gospel touches your heart, everything will change in your life. You are left with only one choice. Or actually two choices. Either respond to the light, meet the king and worship him, or run away from light into darkness. Everything changed. Because now their life was defined by this baby. All of Jerusalem was troubled. But the wise men were excited. Where is he? Born to be king. We have come to worship him. Are you excited this morning? Or are you troubled this morning? Some are troubled. Because you are hearing for the first time what it means for Christ to be born in your life. You didn't realize he had come to take over. Not to make over. Take over. If you want Christ to come and make over our lives, he says, no, I have come to take over. In Matthew 2, 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. That's the awesomeness of God. When the gospel touches your heart and the spirit of God opens your eyes, what you see is not a baby. What you see is not a baby. What you see is the king. Doesn't matter who you are. At what stage you see the king. Understand that. The wise men came to a little hut and saw this little child and they knew it was the king. And they fell down on their face and they worshipped him. There was no crown on his head. There was no purple robe around him. He was not lying in a golden crib. But they knew this was the king. A crown doesn't make a king. 
A crown only identifies the king who is already in you. So kings are kings, whether they have a crown or not. And this is a king. The thief on the cross, when his eyes were opened, was able to see a king inside that mangled, broken body. In the eyes of that thief, the cross had become a throne from where the king was reigning. And he cries out for mercy to the king saying, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And from the cross, you are not hearing the cry of a broken man. You are hearing a sovereign declaration of a king. Verily I tell you, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's a king. The cross became a throne. That's why the gospel has to open our eyes. The light has to come in so that we see him as he truly is. And it doesn't matter whether he is clinging on to Mary's apron at the age of two or is hanging on the cross. He was always worthy of worship because he was always king. The king of kings. So this morning, how do we see him? How do we see him? That's what happens when you and I truly receive the gift of God's Son. He comes in and he starts establishing his kingdom and begins his role. This is a living gift, an eternal gift, and an incredible gift. Second Corinthians 9 and verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. There is no gift like this. Yet, there is something about this gift. This is a gift we will be unwrapping all our life, all of eternity. First Corinthians 2.9 says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It's all prepared in home, in Christ. We open a gift, we enjoy it, and a little later it's under the bed, and then the parents pick it up and put it away. Tommy has lost his interest. After two weeks, the cycle is there, the chain is off, the bell is gone, you're not longer interested. But this is a gift. This is a gift that you and I are called to enjoy all our life. It grows with us. But there is an issue. There is an issue with this gift. And Jesus himself puts it in two terms. In John chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, Whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Fountain or well? Two different versions use the term fountain or well. In the next place, in John chapter 7 and verse 38, he will say, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In one place he calls it a spring. The other place he calls it a river. These are two different things, but the same God. Let me explain to you. The nature of a spring or a well is this. If the water is not drawn out, 
or flows out, then the water becomes stale and stagnant. Yet if the water flows, you have fresh inflow coming in from the deep. If water is not drawn out of a well, after six months, seven months, you will see there is fungus all over, the water cannot be drunk. You have to draw it all out, empty, throw it away for fresh inflow to come. That's the nature. When Christ comes in, when you believe in him and Christ comes in, it is his life that comes in. If you hold his life, after some time your life will start stinking. Because his life is meant to be given away. Meant to be given away. In the world, you will be told, it's more blessed to receive than to give. But in the kingdom, God will say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The more you and I give away the life of Christ, the more the life of God, the spirit of God flows into us. The saddest testimonies on earth is the lives of Christians who received the gift of God's only son but never gave him away. That's why lives are stale and they actually stink. All his life on earth, Jesus gave his life away. Therefore, scripture says he was filled without measure. Soon, like I said, after Christmas is over, the days after Christmas can actually be depressing. Actually, after New Year, people wait till New Year. The tree has dried. Now, of course, we have plastic trees. They don't dry. They are reusable. The decorations are down. Gifts are forgotten. Songs are changed. Nobody listens to Christmas songs anymore. In a two days, three days, four, back to other songs. Why? Because we forget to give his life away. Therefore, there is no fresh inflow. Generally, Christians are miserable, not because of problems you face in your life. It's because we refuse to give his life away, share his life. Jesus makes his statement in Matthew 20 and verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. Now listen carefully. Little children, listen carefully. You will understand little. True happiness is not found in unwrapping presence. True happiness is found in wrapping presence. True happiness or blessedness is not being served. It is found in serving. True happiness is not found in being loved. It is in loving. True happiness is not found in being cared. It is found in being caring. That too, Jesus said, if you truly want to be blessed, then do it to those who cannot repay you. Jesus sets this principle in Luke chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. When you give a feast, when you give a 
feast. Invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot. Is that what the world says? He says, no. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Invite those who can help you in return. And what is the thing we say? It is not what you know that matters. It is who you know. So invite them and throw big banquets. And God says, no. You will be blessed if you chose to give to those who cannot repay you. That's why we offer in this church the platform. Go to the old age home. They can't repay you. What can those old mothers give you? They have been abandoned by their own children. What can they give you? Go to the hospitals. What can those patients at the government hospitals give you? They are so poor. Even though the government has given them new blankets, they will say, we don't have blankets at home, so give us a blanket so we can take a blanket home. Can they give you anything back? No. Go to the beggars. What can they give you back? Nothing. Go to the orphans. What can they give you? Nothing. That's why Jesus said, true blessedness is not found in receiving. But it is found in giving. Christians still haven't found the message of Christmas. They have received the gift of God's own son. But they have learned, haven't learned to share him. To give him away. So that he can fill us with more and more and more. Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find. Haven't we all found our lives? Like I said last Sunday, the most blessed generation ever. The greatest emperor in history. Whether it be Alexander, Caesar or Akbar did not live like you and I do. They didn't have houses like this. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have fan. They didn't have AC. They didn't have heating. They didn't have a two-wheeler. They didn't have a car. They didn't have Anything that we take for granted. We are living better than the greatest emperors who lived in history. Yet, we are miserable. Why? Because we have not learned to give away the life of Christ so that he can fill us more with his joy and with his power. Scripture is very clear. The more we lose, the more we find Happiness is not in rest. Happiness is in work. No. Pastor, please don't tell me tomorrow is Monday. No. You haven't found the joy of being a servant of God in your workplace. Take a side of the pulpit. The greatest joy I ever had was when I was in the secular place simply teaching. I loved it. I loved. First thing, walk into the staff room. The first thing I ask is, who is on leave today? Can I take their class? Because I knew I could go to the students and give the gospel. Wailed. Teach them about Christ and his kingdom through Shakespeare. Never shirked from work. I loved. Sometimes... Six, seven hours at a stretch I would teach from class to class to class to class to class. I loved it. Because happiness is not found in rest. It is found in work. Those who work hard sleep well. Those who don't work, they need 
sleeping pills. Happiness is not found in malls or in theaters. It is found in the company of the helpless and orphans. Happiness is not found in the lights we use to decorate our homes. But it is found when you take the light to someone who lives in darkness. But caution. We call it statutory warning. Not from the surgeon general, but from the pastor. Do not misunderstand the gospel. To serve others is nothing new. To serve others is nothing new. Hinduism teaches it. Buddhism teaches it. Islam teaches it. Even Marx and Mao Zedong were trying to serve others. That is not the gospel. Read Jesus' statement carefully in Matthew 20 and verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does it mean? I have first to receive him and allow him to ransom me. To redeem me for my sins. One day and every day. Because it's a living gift. Set me free from sin, shame and selfishness. Otherwise, every service I do is with the motive I will get something back. My karma. Balance my karma. No. That's not how Christ serves. Christ was not serving anybody to get something back. We don't serve anybody to get something back. Not even satisfaction. We serve because it is the life of God flowing through us. First for that, we need to be ransomed. We need to be set free from sin and shame. Second, This is important, I'm telling you. Otherwise we will think, we will become an NGO. And we start serving. Because every religion talks about serving. But there is an ulterior purpose behind that serving. And that is why you see the violent core in every religion. When it becomes a religion. When your service is not accepted, you get angry and you start killing each other. Whether it is Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, Judaism. Where did this violence come in this religion? It is because you served with ulterior motives. I came and preached the gospel, you did not receive it. But I thought it was free. <laughs> they are violent Christians too. Everything was done with an ulterior motive. Christ never did. He made it very clear. You can choose. Choose to live, choose to die. I said before you, life and death. There's no violence here. The second thing you need to understand is this. The Son of Man came to serve. Understand this first. Young people, older people. I have to let my Lord Jesus Christ Serve me first every day. If I don't let him serve me, I cannot serve anyone. That is what Christ does. If you let him, truly let him, 
this day. That's what Christ told Peter in John chapter 13 and verse 8. He said, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. I have to let Christ serve me first every day. You and I cannot serve others if you don't let him serve us first. What does it mean? Lord, cleanse me. Lord, wash me. Lord, sanctify me. Lord, purge me from self and selfishness. Then fill me with your spirit. Then only, O Lord, use me. Because my worst enemy is not outside. It is me. It is me. Serve me first, Lord, so that then I can go out and serve others. Peter said, no, you cannot wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. You cannot do my part. Only I can serve humanity with no ulterior motives, with true love. You cannot, Peter, you cannot. So you need to be served by me all the days of your life. So do you and I. That is why we keep telling, never miss church, never miss meetings, because we need the washing of our feet constantly by his word, so that he can cleanse us, he can sanctify us, he can correct us, he can purge us, he can fill us, then we can go and serve others. And our fountains have been become stale. But rivers of living water starts flowing. That's why his name is not just Yeshua. His name is also Emmanuel. God with us. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, scripture says, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is our pattern. God, anoint me with your spirit, fill me with power, so that I can go out and do good. Why? Because you are with me. No other way. Every other way is religion. Every other way man gets glory or the church gets glory or the organization gets glory. This way only God and God alone gets glory. This is the death of self and the beginning of God. The beginning and the end is of God. Nothing in between. Everything else we get glory. But if it is this, whether you are a housewife at home serving your husband and children who don't even say thank you, you still will be able to continuously do good because this is God working through you and not you. The Christmas is gift for the mother at home too. Not just for the pastor or the missionary. It is for everybody. You can in your own home without stepping outside the four walls go about doing good and heal your husband and your children. If you allow him to serve you first. Lord, I was mad with my husband. Why? He left his clothes there. He left his shoes there. He left his place there. And he didn't even say thank you. Lord, cleanse me. Sanctify me. Heal me. Fill me. So that you can flow through my life into this home. It's practical church. It's practical. This is not theology. This is practical. It is meant for the man standing on the stage before crowds and crowds of people too, Lord. 
Lord, purge me, sanctify me, cleanse me. Let me know these people have not come to see me. They have come to see you. Help me to lift you up and not lift myself up. So, Lord, I am not destroyed after I have preached. Both need the same power, the same spirit, and the same cleansing. That's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. That is why on the day of Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit as one body, 120 stood up and Peter stepped forward and he spoke. And people were cut to the heart and they said, what should we do? What had happened? The life of Christ had started flowing through them and begun the work of salvation. Few days later, John and Peter will step outside into the public place and look at a man sitting there, crippled, born crippled, lame from birth, look at him and they will open their mouth and they say, silver and gold, we do not have. What I have, I give. They understand this life of Christ has to be given away. It cannot be kept. You keep it, it will grow stale. Your life will start to stink. You have to keep on giving it away and keep on going back for refill. That is the Christmas. It is a gift you don't just receive one day. It's a gift you receive every day and keep on unraveling this incredible gift of God and ask Him to reign in us and over us every day. He's a servant king. Unless we allow Him to serve us, He cannot rule over us. That's the strange thing about this king. Every king will say, I will rule over you. This king will say, I will first serve you, then rule over you. Are you getting the picture? If you let him. If we let him, then it can be 365 days Christmas. Not one day a year. As we come to the end, and I want the worship team to come, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 says, I've shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that is said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. True blessing is allowing the life of Jesus to flow unhindered. And in the in the, in the words of the greatest apostle ever, probably in history, Paul, at the end of his life, in the NIV version, in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. What does he say? He says, it's over. My whole life, from the day he met me on the road to Damascus till now, I my life has been poured out out. So this year try to turn around your life. Try to turn around your life. I keep telling people, one day a week at least, one day a week at least, give to somebody who cannot give you anything back. Christmas shouldn't stop today. It should continue. There are so many, so many among us in this city homeless, sick, a nobody. 
knows. Nobody cares. Yes, we should fellowship. Yes, we should have good times with our families, but never forget. The Son of Man came to seek, to save the lost. We have to give what God has given us. Each one here has been equipped with something. 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 You cannot say you don't have anything, not even the children. Even the little children cannot say I don't have anything. You go to your classroom on Monday, on next week you will find there might be a child poorer than you who doesn't have a pencil. Something. Who doesn't have your brains? Who doesn't have a book? Who doesn't have the dabba which you brought? Something, always. Always. The question is, we are looking what we can receive. We are not looking at what can give. God gave his best. If you learn, for those who are not here, or those who do not know, let me bring to your memory again that strange situation I was caught in years back with a set of people who had, who thought they had nothing to give. Like Moses. Moses thought he had nothing to give because everything he had belonged to his wife. So God finally asked him, what do you have? He said, this stick. That's all mine. I came from Egypt with this. This is mine. The rest belongs to Zipporah and her father. God said, with this stick, I'll bring my people out. With a stick. Only thing, you have to do one thing. Lay this stick before me. Lay this stick before me. Then he said, pick it up. When he laid that simple stick before God in consecration, it was called the rod of Moses. When he picked up that simple stick after being consecrated, it is called in the Bible, the rod of God. And that set God's people free. It doesn't matter what it is. You have. If you're willing to give. And you don't complain. You don't complain. You don't complain. You give to those who cannot give back. Like I said, years back, I was in Nepal. I was in this UN refugee camp ministering to a set of people. Thousands and thousands of them. They had been driven away from Bhutan for being Nepalese. The Bhutanese drove them out. 100,000 plus people were drawn out overnight. The houses were taken, burned. They were chased out by the army and the police. They went through India. India said, you cannot stay here. Put them in temporary shacks then move them into Nepal. And they were in that Nepalese border area bordering India from Siliguri. It's just like three hours inside into Nepal. They have been living, if you go to those camps, if you had gone to those camps, they have these small mud huts, little mud huts, little toilet outside, that's all. Families lived there for eight years, ten years, twelve years, fifteen years. There is a UN-run school till class ten. After that, they can't do anything. They don't have identity papers from India. They don't have papers from Bhutan. They don't have papers from Nepal. They have an UN refugee. By law, they cannot work in Nepal. They cannot work in India. They cannot go back to Bhutan. They are there living. Every week, they get five kilos of rice, a few potatoes, and salt and sugar. That's the rations they get for not one day, not for one year, not for five years, for almost 15, 20 years. One generation had grown up in the camp. I am here in that difficulty, in that tragedy. All who came who were Hindus, 
most of them became christians because they have found christ in the midst of their turmoil that's why god says the gospel is to the poor and there they are sitting and i'm preaching to them and i was telling them you have something to give to god everybody had something to give it to god and they sent me a chit written saying this is our life we have nothing to give we are not allowed outside our camp we are not even allowed to work we have nothing to give pastor tell us what to give i didn't know what to say as lord intervention you tell me what to give you need this people need an answer and you are the only one who can answer them you said in your word everybody has something to give you and the little boy had a tiffin to give anna had a baby to give what is it lord and the lord spoke to me and i told them i told them everywhere i go and anywhere in the world if you ask people why didn't you come uh, on wednesday no i had no time why were in there for fasting and prayer i had no time why were in there last sunday i had no time what is what people don't have time everybody is busy they have no time for god no time for only other thing we have no time and i said you are the richest people on earth because you have all the time and nothing to do everybody gets 24 hours a day you also got 24 hours a day and you have nothing to do now i ask you in the name of jesus will you take that time and consecrate it to god and start interceding first for the nation that threw it out second for the nation like who allowed you through and third for the nation that took you in and then the big neighbor on the other side start interceding for these nations will you do it because in the midst of your trouble god found you and you found god now cry out for the others because where everybody is rich you are poor but where everybody is poor you are very rich consecrate that time you go to the camp today the camps are empty all the refugees have been resettled in australia in sweden in us and they have churches in all these nations do you believe three weeks four weeks back when uh, um, arjun's fiance came here from us and she is in one of the states over there she told me pastor in our church there are people who speak nepali and they were refugees from bhutan and they come to that church of they said hallelujah i probably know them can god do if he chooses to give that's why god says god will be never any man's debtor any man's debtor never and i always believe as long as we remain as a giving church we will never know what lack is because it will flow in it will flow in that's what people ask how do you manage there is no money but you gave everybody salaries because our god is the first original giver you turn around and decide that's what i'm going to be from this christmas forth till you come 
I am going to be a giver. But I cannot give until I have allowed you to serve me first. Cleanse me, Lord. Sanctify me, Lord. Purge me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. And then, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me go out and do good. In my home, in my workplace, in my school, in my university, wherever it is, oh Lord, let me to give without complaining. Shall we sing that song? Come. Shall we stand up and sing? Cause he Son, grow in us day by day. Let him increase. Let us decrease. 
Let us empty ourselves that he may fill us with himself. Let him serve us that we may go out and serve others in his power. Let this Christmas not begin and end here. Let it be 365 days Christmas because God sent his son and he lives forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because you live, we can face tomorrow, my God. Rich in mercy, my God. Unconditional love, my God. Oh, Father. Who can fathom the depths of your love, my God? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you today, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, my God. Help us, Lord. First, Lord, to give of ourselves to you, to surrender today, my God. Yes, Lord. To surrender our hearts, my God. To surrender our minds, my God. To surrender these hands and these feet, this tongue. To surrender. To surrender, to surrender. To just give it to you today, Father. The outward body may be perishing. But let the inward man grow strong, my God, today. Let us grow strong in you, my God. For we know for the joy of the Lord is our strength, my God. You brought us through, you brought us through another Christmas, my God. And we know, Father, that without you we are nothing. Absolutely nothing. But Father, today, Lord, you increase in us, my God, while we decrease. Let this flesh die today, my God. Let this flesh die. This earthly suit, let it die, let it die. Let God arise today, my God, in us. Let our enemies be scattered. Yes, Lord, as we heard, we are our worst enemies, my Jesus, today we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. It is blessed to give than to receive. It's so true, my God. We have seen it in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We can't help but just say thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray for every believer that came here today. I pray for every guest. I pray for the ones that have come to this church for the first time. I pray, Father, that we will give today, my God. That we will give, my God. We will give our love to them, my God. Let us give our love, my God. If we can't give anything else, let us give the love of Christ, my God. Let it be shed abroad, my God. Help us, Lord, to give, to give, to give. We pray for everyone that came today that has never been to our church before, my God. I pray today, Father, that we will extend that love. Touch them today, my God. Touch their minds, touch their hearts. And in us, my God, first he that beganeth a good work in us will be faithful to complete it in us, my God. What you started, you will finish, my God, because that is your promise, my God. That is your promise, my God. Lord, your promise for our church this year was hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. Don't let anybody steal your crown. Father, I pray, I pray, I pray today that we, Lord, will be that believing church, that church that will pray, that church that will love, will extend God's love. Oh, Lord, to the ones that are in darkness, 
We thank you today for our shepherd. We thank you for him today. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for Pastor Vijay. We thank you for Pastor Eric. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for them. We thank you today for every pastor, every preacher that has blessed us through the word of God, who has ministered to us, my God. We thank you for them. We bless them today in your name, my God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We pray, Father, be with us this entire day. Let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding be with us, my God. Oh, Jesus, 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 there is none like you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Father, help us, Lord, to be that disciple, my God, you've called us to be. Let this love of God be a reflection of God's love in us, my God. Jesus, touch us today. Touch our pastors, touch our elders, touch the church from the youngest to the oldest. Thank you for Mother Rizzo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Aradna. Thank you for the new infants. Thank you, Father, for the women that are pregnant. Thank you for touching their wombs today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for touching the ones that are not pregnant. That Lord, we believe, we believe that their womb will be blessed in Jesus' name. We believe, my God, we believe, we believe, my God. We thank you today. We love you, my God. We praise you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the love, my God. Teach us today as we start up fast. Some things must come through fasting and prayer. That's what your word says, my God. Let us exalt the word above all our situations, above all our circumstances, above everything else. The word, the Rima word. It is your word that brings life, my God. Who can give it to us but you, my God? We thank you for the word. Help us, Lord, in these next few days to meditate on the word day and night and let change come about in us, my God. Inward change. Let us want change. Let us hunger and thirst for you, my God. We thank you. We love you, my God. We praise your holy name. We give it to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.